What's up, what's up, hustlers? You know what it is. It's your boy, JT. And I want to tell you guys about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Here's how it works. Unless you record and edit podcast right from your phone. That's literally what I'm doing right now. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms with a single tap. It's also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. That's major. Anchor allows creators to earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Best of all, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Let's go! Hello and welcome to the Income Autopilot Podcast, Episode 10. In this episode, we're going to go over four ways that you can buy real estate with no money and no credit or bad credit and take advantage of whatever you need real estate for. Whether you want to be a buying whole investor like me, whether you want to flip houses, whether you want rental income, whether you want a primary residence, the choice is completely up to you. Before we get into today's episode, I do want to remind any new listeners or returning listeners that this is the show that teaches you to stop working and enjoy life while money works for you. One of our mottos here that I want to continue to instill with you all in every episode is this, is that you don't have to be perfect to be profitable. This is an imperfect podcast from an imperfect entrepreneur that is worth seven figures plus and counting. All right. I hope that you guys take that as motivation, not bragging or boasting. I'm just a little country guy from South Carolina, uh, moved to North Carolina, and I travel around a lot. But a little country boy from a low-income environment that is not perfect, will never be perfect, nor will you, was still able to build up themselves. And I'm no better than you. So if I can do it, you can do it. Also, bear with any imperfections you might hear in this episode or the others as we build the podcast room. Um, but I'm reporting live from the dining room table at my media house in the meantime, in the meantime right? Uh, what's the first way? All right, housekeeping notes to the side. Well, let's get into the practical side of it. I want this to be the most valuable podcast you listen to today. Wholesaling is the first way. You hear a lot of people talk about wholesaling, but I want to give you some gems so literally you can start wholesaling today if that's what you want to do. First off, understand that in order to successfully wholesale, you have to check two boxes every time. One, you need to find off-market deals. Two, they need to be owned by motivated sellers. If you can't verify those two things, then your likelihood of being successful drastically go down drastically go down. If you're new to this space, I recommend that you do not deal with anybody that doesn't have off-market properties and are not motivated sellers. Why would somebody use a wholesaler? All right, let's let's tackle that. They have a problem that you solve by buying their house that they can't solve by other means. The vast majority of people that sell houses will contact a realtor listed on the MLS and sell their property that way when they're ready to sell a house, make money or whatever reason that they want to get rid of a house. So why would they use a wholesaler? What kills a lot of people is that if I say that and it makes sense, but then you start a business and you start contacting any and everybody and any and everybody says, no, they don't need you or no, they don't want to negotiate. Then you say this business isn't real. It's not legit. You can't make money doing that. It must be a scam. They're only trying to tell you you can do this so that way they can sell you some kind of training program. And that's really how they make their money. No, they have to be a motivated seller that can't sell their property by other means. And by using you as a wholesaler, you solve their problems. How do you find these people? 
first by identifying who these people are, and then we can find out where they are, all right? I need to know who I'm looking for before I know where to look for them, all right? Because I could tell you, hey, go to Walmart and find me somebody that can bench press 300 pounds, all right? So just because I told you where to look for them, right, do you know what somebody that benches 300 pounds looks like? I serve in the United States Marine Corps. Yeah, there's some big muscle-bound guys that can bench press 300 pounds. There's also some guys that from the outside, you might say, that person is out of shape. That person is fat, right? But that person is a power lifter, and they can easily lift 300 pounds, right? Hey, maybe you find somebody that you say, okay, they look like they're in shape, but they're not big swole, uh, but believe it or not, they too can bench press 300 pounds, right? So understanding the type of person that you're looking for, in my opinion, is super important to know before you know where to look. So people that are going through foreclosure, people that are going through foreclosure, right? They can't afford to keep the payments up on their property, all right? People that um, have distressed homes that they don't have the money to fix, or maintain. Let's start off with those two options. Of course, there's other people. And if you listen to a hundred different people talk about wholesaling, you'll get a hundred different responses. So keep this in mind. If you truly want to get better at something, learn from one teacher until you master what that one teacher is teaching you, then move on to the next teacher. I'm not saying that that one teacher has to be me. Maybe I'll just introduce this concept to you. Maybe you'll find somebody else. But I personally want to recommend, whether it's me or anybody else, when you do this business, start with one teacher. Learn how that teacher does their thing before you start listening to other people because that's how you confuse yourself, right? You listen to 100 different people, tell you 100 different ways to do it. Now you don't know which way you should do it because this person make money doing it like this. This person make money doing it like that. So my way, if you choose to consider what me and my team will instruct you on is pre-foreclosures and people that can't afford to fix up or maintain their property, all right? That's the type of person that I'm looking for because that type of person is most likely to do business with me. They, they want to get out of that house. They don't want to have a foreclosure on their credit report, right? Or that man or woman that can't maintain the house or fix it up, so now they're getting cold violations, right? The neighbors are complaining. The city is fining them, all right? If I just ride through my neighborhood and say, that's a vacant house that I can make money off of, how do I know if they're motivated or not? So, so what? I can make money off of it, right? Even if that person is willing to sell, how do I know that they're going to give me a good enough deal that there's margins on that deal that I can turn a profit off of? All right? I don't know. I just don't know. So that being said, I want you guys to understand that the type of people that we're looking for matters because it's going to make us have a greater ROI. By law, the county has to be notified by whatever institution that's going to foreclose on a property prior to them foreclosing. So they have to let them know, hey, JT is not making the payments on this property. If he doesn't square it up with us by this point in time, we're taking the house. All right, so the county is notified that a foreclosure is about to go down on JT and on 123 Main Street. All right, dope thing about that is that now it becomes public record. You can go to where they maintain public records at in your city. 
right? Or in your county, if you're looking at properties in the county, all right? It may be the same place. It may be different places. It just depends on how big your city, how big your county is, right? I've seen it both ways, all right? Now, understand this. If you ask the wrong questions, you get the wrong answers. So you go in there and say, hey, look, I want a list of pre-foreclosures or foreclosures, right? May not be the right way to ask that question, all right? It is public record. It is available to you. But first things first, you need to find out what department it's in and what is that department called, right? And then how do they refer to those records, all right? If they refer to them as foreclosures, cool, right? If they don't, then you need to know what they refer to them as. My good friend that's a wholesaler that kills it at this, he introduces himself as a, a payment program, right? As a repayment program that allows people to avoid having foreclosures on their record by catching up their payments and then maintaining their payments over time. Now, because he comes into the county office as an asset saying, hey, my name is JT with this company, you can go get a little inexpensive website made or you can make it yourself depending on how much time you have, but you can go to Wix, drag and drop one. You can go to Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com and have one made. Simple one-page website. Hey, this is what I do, right? I provide this service for men and women out there that are interested in getting caught up on their payments and then maintaining their payments over time to avoid foreclosures in the area, right? I'm a relief program. He has had a tremendous response by presenting himself as a relief program over any other types of presentations, all right? So I want you to understand that that is by far one of the best ways that you can approach this situation. All right, now maybe you don't have to use a relief program. Maybe you're super creative and want to be something else. Um, and maybe you are in a county where you could just go in and say, hey, I want the foreclosure list and they give it to you. The, the most valuable thing to know is this, is you need to know what to say. How do you present yourself in this environment, right? How do you do that? 100%, that's something that you need to know. All right. That is foreclosures. Moving on to the other list, right? Code enforcement is what it's called in my area. Code enforcement is basically tall grass. The the neighbors complaining about, you know, the disrepair of properties in their neighborhood cuz it's hurting their property values or, right, cuz I bought a property that was like this it will be deemed in some counties, like the county that I invest in, as it is a, a problem in that it is a breeding and harboring ground for rodents and snakes and other animals that the community finds uh, detestable, right? So you have to maintain that property because the neighbors don't want rats. The neighbors don't want snakes. If you have big tall grass and busted windows and a hole in the floor and now rodents can go find a warm safe place to hide when the weather gets cold and the grass is tall and there's plenty of food for the mice to eat guess what that's going to attract snakes guess what your neighbor next door probably don't want rats or snakes right rats bring fleas 
All right. So I've had somebody that got a great property, but the reason that they got is because it was filled with fleas. The rats got fleas. The neighborhood cats came and ate the rats. Guess what they got? Fleas as well. So now this whole yard is fleed. So he had to contact a pest control company and say, hey, I need a major flea service done on this property before I ever step foot in it. But the grass is tall. All right. And I know these sorts of houses are not what a lot of people think of when they think of I want to buy real estate with no money or bad credit. They thinking like I want to get a mansion and live in it. And I found out some secret that nobody else knows. But this is the reality of the situation. You could buy this property as is. You could sell it as is. Or you could buy it, fix it up, and rent it out. You could buy it, fix it up, and sell it for a, a greater profit. So even if you don't have a lot of money to fix it up and rent it out or fix it up and sell it for a profit, understand that you can buy as is and sell as is. Literally, all you have to do is make the property good enough to meet the regulations that it can be listed on the MLS and people can qualify for financing, right? Even if they're not a lot of cash buyers, there's usually some cash buyers in every market, all right? So understand that. Understand that. All right. So looking for motivated sellers. That's how you find motivated sellers in your area. Start off with those two lists, code enforcement lists, foreclosure lists, whatever they call it in your county, whatever department that's that's in. Right. That's your job to figure that out. All right. Far too many people want to make money in creative ways and do all of this great stuff, but they don't have any plan of execution at all. All right? Here's a gem. When you're contacting the, the person, if there if this is a person that is in foreclosure, presenting yourself the same way we I told you my friend presents himself with the county. Hey, we're a relief program. Would you would you have to move out of the house? Absolutely, you'll have to move out of the house. All right, but when you move out of the house, I also want you to understand that you're not going to have this on your credit. This is how you're going to be protected, all right? Keep in mind, I said you don't have to be perfect to be profitable. That background noise that you may be hearing a little bit of is it literally just started raining outside the window, and I'm reporting live from my, uh, my, my dining room table that's by the window, all right? So bear with me, though. Please don't let minor distractions make you miss out on a major bag. Please don't let minor distractions make you miss out on a major bag. So you find these people through public record, right? Because this is the simplest way I think you should start. Find these people via public record. Contact them, asking them, hey, are you interested in avoiding foreclosure? If they say no, then it's no. Right. If this is what some people don't know. Right. You contact the people that are on the cold enforcement list and ask them, are they interested in. Having their house sold for a profit money in their pocket or would they rather surrender their property to the city? 
this is what happens in the cities that I invest in. And the reason why I'm prefacing this by saying the cities that I invest in is that the rules and regulations and the ordinances that exist in my county may be different than your county and your city. So this is a simple conversation. This is all public information. So don't think that you can't find this out. All you have to do is Google it or go down and just ask the question. All right. And I've got my laptop up looking at it. After a period of time goes by where the city is constantly finding it, they're constantly telling you, hey, cut the grass. Then they're going to start cutting the grass and billing you for it. Depending on what county you're in, because I invest in different counties, once it gets to a certain point, financially, of course, we got this much money invested in this property. This owner is not communicating with us. Um, they're not trying to pay us back. They're just ignoring everything. We now are putting your property on the list for demolition by the city. All right? Some people don't even know this. They'll think, well, I'll just pay the property taxes on it. That's not that much money, but I'm not going to cut the grass. I'm not going to maintain it. It's, it's nothing nobody can do as long as I pay the property taxes, as long as I own the house free and clear, right? Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Depending on what county you're in, depending on what city you're in, their time frame, their dollar amount may be different, but eventually they put them on the list for demolition. That means that they go, they cut your grass, they knock your property down, right? If they want to, certain counties can seize ownership. They'll send you a letter notifying you, hey, you no longer own this property for this reason. The county has deemed that your property is a a issue in the community in the county in the city usually this is more in the city than the county but i don't want to exclude the county because this can happen in the county as well but definitely i've seen this happen in the city right so a your property is a harboring ground for rodents and snakes all right breeding and harboring ground maybe your property it, it promotes drug use it's a bando all right We'll call it bando in the hood. So it's, it's not maintained. It's in disrepair. It's not boarded up to keep people from coming in there. You don't maintain it at all. People are going in there, getting high, and then leaving, right? Or getting high and passing out, all right? You don't know what's going on. There might be a dead body in there. Somebody OD, right? Uh, but for whatever reason, the city don't want that. They don't want the property values going down. They want the property values going up. Why? Because they can charge more in property taxes. So they can charge more in property taxes, all right? So they definitely want properties to appreciate, not depreciate in their area. And now you're messing with their money. So you contact those people. You ask them, hey, look, uh, are you interested in avoiding having a foreclosure put on your record? They'll say yes or no, right? And the other people, you'll introduce yourself and let them know, hey, are you interested in uh selling your property to avoid the city demoing it, right? Ensure when you're talking to them that you emphasize the pain that they're going to feel if they don't work with you, right? I'm going to give you a sample. I'm going to give you a sample, all right? I call somebody, right, and they answer the phone. Hello, can I speak to Miss Jane Doe, please? Hello, this is Miss Jane Doe. Hello, my name is JT. 
with JT's recovery and what we do is that we're a company that goes out to different communities and try to help men and women that may be suffering or do to suffer from a foreclosure on their record, avoid foreclosure by catching up their payments and then making their payments for them consistently over time. Uh, all I want to know, I don't want to take a lot of your time. I know you're busy if you're interested in it or not. They'll say, wow, that sounds interesting. Or they'll say, eh, nah, I don't really think so. Or what, what, like, tell me more. You know what I mean? That's what they'll say. They'll say yes, no, or they might want to know more information before they give you a yes or a no. If they want to know more information, okay, uh, no problem. Um, I could give you my website as well if you want to verify everything that I'm saying. But uh, you can go to jtsrecovery.com. And, again, what we do is we are like a relief program. We help men and women that would not like to have foreclosures on their record be able to catch up their payments over time and maintain the ability to go buy another house or do whatever else. Now, this is what is required. I need to know this, this, and this, right? This, this, and this will definitely keep in mind what I told you earlier. I want to know how motivated they are. What's their motivation, right? There's some people that honestly, believe it or not, just don't care. It's like it is what it is. So if they're, it is what it is, they don't really care, blah, 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 then it's maybe you work with them, maybe you don't, right? If they're super motivated, you super work with them. If they're not motivated at all, if they're like, hey, this sounds sketchy, I never heard of this before, I'm going to play it safe and just take the foreclosure, you let those people go. Those are not your customers. Don't feel like you lost a customer. Those are not your customers, right? So a dentist doesn't get mad with somebody that needs a heart surgeon comes to them and say, oh, you only work on teeth? I need a cardiologist, and they walk out. It doesn't matter if they storm out and slam the door. They don't matter if they cuss before they leave. It don't matter how they leave. The dentist is not mad that somebody that needed a cardiologist came to a dentist and found out that they were a dentist and not a cardiologist. I want you to understand that you're somebody that helps motivated sellers avoid pain through your services. If they are not a motivated seller that wants to avoid that pain, and they have to check both those boxes, right? I'm motivated. I want to avoid this pain. If they don't check both those boxes, you're a dentist. They need a cardiologist. Move on, right? There's plenty of people that need a dentist. You don't got to try to start taking cardiologist patients and turn them into dentist patients, all right? So understand that. You're a professional, and that's how you should move accordingly. All right, so you contact these men and women, you let them know. You always present them with three offers. A cash offer that is low and gross is how my good friend refers to it. All right, keep in mind, I personally own five properties and I don't wholesale any of them. My good friend owns 64 properties and he wholesales more than that. So I'm telling you all from being with him a lot, what I know and as a buy and hold investor, I have bought properties from wholesalers. I've sold properties to wholesalers, right? But full disclosure, because I want you to know exactly who you're listening to, and you can make a decision if you want to try this out or not, if you feel like I'm qualified or not, all right? And I'll have other episodes on this podcast as well with Sawan, 
right? So when you see any episodes featuring Sawan or Sawan Belcher of This Is Me Taking Action, that's the gentleman I'm referring to, and you'll definitely hear him on this channel in the future, right? But here's the game. Three offers, cash offer, low, right? The reason why it's a low offer is because it's most advantageous to you and them, all right? I'll give you 10000 You want fifty. If they say yes, amen. Do you think that you can find, even if you don't have $10,000, do you think you can find $10,000 to buy a house that's worth fifty? Yes. Yes. I'm telling you, there are people, it is way easier for you to find a complete stranger that'll give you $10,000 to buy a $50,000 house than it is to find a complete stranger that'll give you $100,000 for a house that's worth $100,000, right? It is also easier to find somebody that'll give you $10,000 to buy a $50,000 house than it is to find somebody that'll give you $5,000 for a house that's worth $5,000, right? Why? Because the equity is there. It's a good buy instantly, day one. Right, they made money on the purchase. All right, it's way easier to do that. First offer is going to be a cash offer, second offer is going to be a financing offer where they're going to make more money over time. Right, they may they might make their number over time. So if they're stuck on 50,000, I can give you 50,000 if you finance it to me. You become the bank. Let me make you this payment per month till we get to $50,000, right? I'll give you $250 a month till we get to $50,000. I'll even, if you want to, I'll give you this amount of money outside of your loan if we're talking to somebody with a foreclosure, all right? Let's say they owe $3,000. I'll catch up the $3,000 that you're behind to stop the foreclosure. I'll start paying the monthly payment that you owe the bank. Let's call it $800 a month. So I'm going to catch up that $3,000. I'm going to pay that $800, right? And I'll give you $3,000 for your pocket outside of the loan, right? And then you can walk away. Or if you want to make more money than that, I'll give you $250 a month. On top of that, till we get to whatever number it is you're trying to do. All right? That is a synopsis of wholesaling. Find motivated sellers that can't sell their properties with a traditional realtor. Right? They might be going into foreclosure. They owe more money on the house, either through refinancing or the market crashing or whatever that can happen in life. But they owe more money than the house is currently worth. So they can't sell it and get that debt off of it. And they don't have the cash on hand to make up the difference. So they can't sell a house that they owe 200 grand on for 180 because they don't have $20,000 to cover the spread to eliminate that debt. So they can't sell their house with a realtor right now. Or maybe they can't sell the house right now because it won't qualify for traditional financing. My realtor contacts me all the time with properties that traditional lenders will not finance because the driveway is in disrepair, right? Can you make it up the driveway? Absolutely, right? Is it in perfect condition? Not at all. 
Could you live there, the average person, could you live there for 10 years, and if the driveway doesn't get any worse, you never have any issues with that driveway? Yes. I've seen properties like that, and the lending entity, when they come out to do their inspection, will still fail the house, so now nobody can get a mortgage to buy that house because the lender doesn't deem this to be acceptable. And now the seller doesn't have the money to have the driveway repaved, repaired, or whatever. So now they can't find a way to get rid of this house. And it's a house problem, not an asset, right? Everybody doesn't view a house as an asset. You listening to this may be thinking that you personally view a house as an asset, right? And it may be an asset for you. However, if your house is getting you weekly fines, right? I bought a property that was getting daily fines of $100 a day. Then they upped it to $150 a day, all right? Imagine if you're a man or woman that inherited that house and you don't make $100 to $150 a day, right? Maybe you have a disability that prevents you from working and you're living off a disability. Maybe if you recently got laid off, maybe if you only work part-time, because you got a hectic life schedule with your kids and whatever, whatever, right? There's a lot of situations that can go into it. And now you can't afford an extra $100 a day, $150 a day being added on to your expenses, right? The county was fine in the house. It was in disrepair. It needed to get up to an acceptable means or the county was going to continue to find them, all right? That being said... That being said, that person could not sell it the traditional means because it wouldn't get approved for financing. And it wasn't a foreclosure. It was owned outright. They sold it to me. I bought it for $11,000, right? They walked away from a three-bedroom, two-bath home for $11,000, all right? I later sold that house for $53,000, and it still wasn't livable, right? It was in better condition to keep the city off me. The city wanted uh, the grass cut and it had a blue tarp on the roof from where a tree had fell on it and the the tarp had kind of gotten beat up over time. All right, so I put a new roof on it. Be honest, new roof was around eight grand. Um, I cut the grass myself with a little electric push mower I went and grabbed from Walmart. Um, in the back, it looked like Jumanji so I actually had to pay a guy 800 bucks, and he rented some equipment, and he ran through there and made the backyard look a little bit livable. So let's add it all up. 11 grand for the purchase, 8 grand for the roof. We had 19,000. 200 bucks for the mower, 19,2, right? $800 for the guy to do the backyard, right? So now we're at 20 grand in, sold it for 53,000. Well, I sold it for 57. But after attorneys take their money for helping me, realtors taking their money for helping me, I got left with 53. All right? Now, that's only a great deal if you have 20 grand. How do you get 20 grand if you don't have 20 grand? All right? Do you think that if you can show proof that this house will sell and there will be a $53,000 profit, can you give somebody uh, an agreement that says, hey, look, Here's comps in this area from a licensed realtor, not me, but from a realtor that actually does this in this area every day. So you're trusting that expertise. 
All right. Here's a quote from the roofer saying that with a new roof, this is how much it's going to cost. Right. Here's a quote from the landscaper that says for this much, he'll do the backyard. Right. Here's a quote from Walmart. All right. And you can make that quote yourself. Um, or you could just pay the, the landscaper to do the front yard too in that situation. All right. And say, okay, landscaper, a thousand bucks, right? Front, back, side yards. Roofer, eight thousand bucks. All right. Purchase price, eleven thousand dollars. So now I have a contract to buy it for eleven, a roofer to fix it for eight, a landscaper to get my yard together for a G. I need twenty grand. I have paperwork from the realtor in this area saying that she can sell this house for $57,000. She's done it before. This is what she does. She's a realtor in this area that has been making money in this area for years. And if for whatever reason I can't sell this house, the comps in this area are saying that this house as a shell is still worth $60,000, right? So we listed for 60. We took the first offer we got for 57 cuz I just wanted fast money. Could I have held out for more money? Uh, yeah, did I really care not? Nah, right? And I had 20 grand. So um it was my money in. I didn't have to pay anybody back. But if I didn't have money, right? Then you could have still sold it for that or you could have held out depending on how fast you want to pay back your private money person. But you will tell that private money person, let's say I can't sell it. You have $20,000 in a house that's worth 60. All right. I will give complete ownership over to you. And now you can sit it on the MLS and maybe it takes an extra 30 days or whatever, right? To sell. And now you make 40 grand off of your 20 grand investment. That's how you're protected, Mr. Lender. Now, if I do sell this house in the next 45 days, right? You give me 20, I'll give you 40, right? Let's think about it now. You're either going to get 40 grand back and you double your money, or you're going to get 60 grand back and triple your money. So you actually make more money if I don't do this deal right, all right, than if I do this deal right. But either way, you in the green, all right? All of this is done through an attorney, a licensed attorney that is not going to lose their ability to practice law just so I could finesse you out of 20 grand. That attorney makes six figures plus a year doing this business. 20 grand is not worth losing their career. So everything is through an attorney. Don't give JT 20 grand. You're going to wire it to an attorney who now has to make sure that I do right by you, right? Or else you're going to get ownership to the property. There's going to be a promissory note. You're going to have insurance, right? You're protected. You don't just have to give me money and take my word for it just because I got quotes from these reputable companies. Not only did I get quotes from these reputable companies, I found a real estate attorney in my area. I went and met with them, talked with them, told them what I'm trying to do, and they agreed to do this, right? So, you get the money. You run the play, all right? And we can do a whole nother separate episode on how to get the money. But they give you 20 grand. They say, okay, cool. 
I'll lend it to you from my 401k plan tax-free. It's going to get paid back into their tax-free, right? Because maybe they don't have 20 grand in cash, but they got it in their 401k plan, and they would love to double 20 grand real quick, all right? Give you the money. You close on the property. You throw the new roof on there. You have the landscaper come out there, right? And you have the realtor listed. All of this can be done in a week, all right? I would line it up when I'm getting the quotes. How soon can you get it done if I get this approved? Oh, let me know, right? I know personally that um, I've had roofs replaced, and it took two days, right? Sometimes depending on the size of the house, it could take longer than that. Right. I know some people say they did a roof in a day. All right. Or less than a day. So that's a conversation with your roofer. So you have the conversation with the roofer. You're going to get three quotes for a roofer, three to five quotes for everything in real estate. Make sure you get the best quality of service, not necessarily the best price, but who's going to do a great job for the fairest price. Because I don't want you to do my roof for a dollar. And next time it rains, it comes straight through the roof, straight through the ceiling and on my head. And I'm happy because I got a $1 roof, right? I want a quality roof that's going to last me for a decade plus, all right? So I'm going to get three to five quotes. I'm going to present that to you. Hey, boom. So let's say, for example, he says two days. Let's say I can close on uh, Monday, okay? Closed on Monday. Roofer starts on Tuesday, right? By end of the day, Wednesday, he's done. Right. I want the landscaper there as soon as possible. Hey, can you do your landscaping around the roofer doing his roof work? Can they put all of their materials on the porch, the sidewalk and the driveway? So now you have a clear lane to do what you have to do. Right. If possible, then that means that I can have all of this done in three days. If impossible, then Monday I close Tuesday, Wednesday, the roof. Thursday or Thursday, Friday, I have uh, the yard done. I schedule my realtor Saturday, drop a, drop a sign in the yard, right? Let's take pictures of it immediately. Brand new roof, great landscaping, near this, near that, right? Provide all that information. Roof is less than one week old. Let's put that in the, the, the description Right. Let's let them know. Brand new roof. Roof is less than one week old. All right. They know they're good. Depending on the shape of the house. Right. You can get it pressure washed. Clean it up that way as well. Maybe it doesn't need to be pressure washed depending on uh, where you are. Right. Uh, believe it or not, a good pressure washing can bring a house back to life. You don't always got to paint it. All right. In my case, I didn't have to do that. My case, I didn't have to do that, right? But let's keep it going. You got the money, you did it, now wholesaling is done. That's the first way, all right? That's the first way. You find off-market deals from motivated sellers because you went downtown to public record, you got the foreclosure list, you got the code enforcement list, you contacted the foreclosure people, asked them that they want to stop foreclosure, you contacted the code enforcement people, asked them were they interested in selling their property to avoid having it being seized and demolished by the city. All right. If they say yes, you negotiate a deal based off of their motivation. That's what's most important based off of their motivation. Right. So, yes, you need to have comps. Yes, you need to know what properties in this area sell for as is and 
fully renovated. That's a nugget. That's a gem. How do properties that are unlivable sell on the MLS? Because keep in mind, you can sell a property as is as long as you get it up to standard. All I had to do to get it up to standard for it to qualify for financing is a new roof and to get the landscaping done. And it qualified, and I sold it to another investor. All right? So finding out what those things are and doing the bare minimum to buy as is, sell as is, is fast money. All right? Buy as is, sell as is. Second is a lease option. Lease option is when you get a house and you allow people to rent to own from you. Right? They're renting to own it from you in a lease option agreement. Usually these agreements are 36 months or less, and usually these agreements require a fat down payment. All right? So let's say you acquire a property, all right, either from wholesaling and you want to keep the property, right? You don't just want to sell it and take that check. Let's say you want to keep it longer because you want to create a, a bigger check for yourself. Well, you can say, hey, listen, I'm going to get this money either qualifying for it myself or going to a private money lender with what we already touched on. Now that I have the money, I'm going to acquire this house, but the private money person is willing to make more money by allowing me to hold their money for three years instead of 45 days. So what I'll do is now I can put a listing on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, all of social media, right, and say, hey, listen, this is what it is. Uh, if you have bad credit, no credit, no problem, home ownership is still an option for you, right? We're doing an open house on this day. Come out, look at the property, and we're going to accept whoever is willing to put down the highest down payment, right? Monthly payments are this. The winner is whoever likes it the best to put down the highest down payment, all right? So you do your own little open house. People come out. You can also do this if it's a foreclosure as well, right? And now in three years, when they refinance out or if they qualify for their first mortgage because they're not going to have a loan through, uh, through you, once they do qualify for a loan in the next three years, they're going to cash you out and bring their own mortgage to, to settle up the balance, right? So you acquire this, let's say, as a foreclosure, right? So there is debt on it now, just switching gears. Since it's pretty straightforward, if they don't have any debt on it, you collect payments over three years, then they qualify for a loan, and they cash you out a lump sum of money at the end as well. So you got a down payment, you got uh, 36 months worth of payments, then you got another big lump sum at the end. If it's a foreclosure, let's call it for easy math, they owe 600 bucks a month, right? Let's say that they're behind on that foreclosure by 6000 right? Which that's an extreme number, but just for easy math, right? Got a South Carolina education. Somebody is willing to bring 8500 down, right? They're an entrepreneur, but, you know, they've they been doing what they do on the books to try to avoid taxes and keep their as much money as possible. Uh, maybe there's somebody that don't have great credit, but they're great at saving money. So they have a lot of money saved up, but they just don't have great credit. Um, there's a lot of different people that have money, but may not can afford uh, or qualify for a traditional mortgage, but yet they still want to own a home. So those men and women come out, they saw your social media advertisement, they bring the down payment. 
now they're in, right? They bring 8,500, right? You take 6,000 of that, you catch up, you stop the foreclosure. You put 2,500 in your pocket. Now you got paid to stop their foreclosure, right? All you have tied up in it is a contract. It's a contract from the person that's going through foreclosure that says, hey, if you do this, I will do that. So all you have invested prior to this is paper, right? And you can get free paper at thisismetakingaction.com. That's the Wine Belcher's website, right? Also, if you guys are interested in me adding it to my website as well, I could definitely do that for you. You guys just let me know uh, in whatever comment section they have, depending on what streaming platform you're listening to this on, right? But now you have access to paper for free. So there's no excuse for that. This is me taking action.com. Or if you're watching this after the fact, if enough people wanted this, this will be a resource on authorjt.com. A U T H O R, author just like a book author, author J T, right? Like my name, JT.com. All right, authorjt.com. If enough people have asked for it before you even listen to this episode, it'll be underneath the resources on my website as well for your convenience, right? But you have the paperwork. They bring 8,500. You spend six grand. You stop the foreclosure. They're caught up. You got 2,500 paid to you uh, for stopping the foreclosure. So you got paid to help somebody. Nine times out of 10, it might even be a perfect stranger. Now the monthly payments. Let's say that they owe the bank 600. You charge them. It's $1,000 a month, right? Again, this is somebody with money, but not with the credit. They have 36 months, and you let them know when they sign the agreement. This is a 36-month lease option. At the end of the three years, they will have to bring their own mortgage, right? They have to qualify for a mortgage within the next three years and buy the house. Why would somebody do that? Is because they don't have any options, right? If they could qualify for a mortgage and get a cheaper mortgage than what they got to pay you, guess what? They would have did it anyway. Right. If they could have paid a lower down payment and own a house, they'll do it anyway. So don't get in your own head thinking that you're taking advantage of people because you're not. This is for people that you want to provide home ownership to. But society, the traditional standard says that you don't qualify to own a home. So it's not a bad thing that they're paying more. Right. This is now you saying, you know what? I don't care what the bank says. You do qualify to have the joy and the benefits of home ownership, right? So I am going to allow you to have that benefit, all right? Now, is it unjust or unfair for you to help somebody? The answer is no. Is it unreasonable for you to be blessed for helping somebody. No, that's not unreasonable. That's all this is, right? This is not finessing. This is not taking advantage of them. This is you saying, even though the bank, the bank has more money than all of us. Don't get it twisted. The bank that has more money than all of us still says that you don't deserve home ownership. I Right. Or you listening to this podcast say, even though I don't have a fraction of how much money that the bank has, I still am going to 
allow you that opportunity because I believe that you deserve to be able to raise your family in a house that you own in order to own a home and leave it to your kids and grandkids, right? In order to build equity so now you have an asset if you ever need to, to take advantage of other investment opportunities, emergency expenses, or et cetera, right? The bank don't even trust you as much as I trust you, and I'm being blessed for it, right? That's all it is. That's the proper mindset. Far too many people don't make the money that they should make because they think about it the wrong way. They think about it in a malicious way, but that's because society has told you that you have to be malicious in order to help people, and that is a fallacy that we hope to debunk here with the Income Autopilot Podcast, right? So I want you guys to really change your mindset and say, I'm helping people that otherwise couldn't get help. We're only dealing with motivated sellers and motivated buyers. If they're not motivated, they're going to go through the traditional means. So these are the people that society said you can't do it, you don't meet the qualifications, you don't deserve to have this, and you're saying, I challenge that belief. You do deserve it, right? You do deserve to sell your house even though you're underwater, right? You deserve a second chance, all right? You do deserve to sell your house uh, and not have to worry about the city taking your house just because you don't have the finances to fix it up, right? You're an asset to your community. Lease options, right? Let's keep it going. But that's my sermon, and that applies to all real estate investing and beyond. With the lease options, they go into it. They pay in $1,000 a month. You pay the bank $600. You keep $400 a month. You're giving them the opportunity to own a home that they would otherwise not be able to own. Second to that, they get the opportunity to lock in the rate, right? And I'm using these numbers for easy math. If if it really bothers you, you can say, hey, $6,500. i will take 6000 to catch up the note. I'll just put 500 in my pocket, not 2500 If you're happy with 500 amen, right? Now, as you grow and do this as a business, you're going to realize that as a business, you're going to have expenses that are going to require you to charge a certain amount of money Right. However, I want you guys to understand that I don't want that fee to do business to discourage you from helping people. That's why I like twenty five hundred is your profit. So that way, when you have to pay money, that's not a deterrent for you to bless people. You say, you know what, I'm a bless people anyway. Right. So lease options. All right. They pay a thousand. You pay the bank six hundred. You put a hundred a month in your pocket. If you want to do eight fifty and put two fifty a month in your pocket, the choice is completely up to you. But like I said before, you may eventually have to up it, right, in order to stay in business. If you're getting value out of this, do me a favor, save this, right? Save this uh, podcast, share this with a friend, and let's go into the third way: owner finances. Owner financing is, again, we find those motivated sellers. Maybe they want more money than the house is actually uh, worth, so they can't sell it on the MLS, right? They want to do for sale by owner and avoid the, the middleman and make a little bit more money without having to do the repairs and whatever the situation is, right? So everybody has a different uh, scenario. So me trying to name all of them would just be a waste of time, right? Um, but for whatever reason, that person doesn't want any of the liability of being a homeowner, right? So similar to a lease option, but just longer terms. Instead of three months, I'll lease it out so you pay it off, all right? 
lease option is you got this amount of time to get your credit uh, together, then cash me out. On the financing, hey, I'll do this until it's paid in full, right? It depends on how fast you want your money, all right? So owner financing, you go into there with a motivated seller. The seller wants to get rid of the house, but they want more money than you're comfortable with paying, right? You say, okay, well, what if you get it in terms? Sawan is great at this. Somebody wanted $40,000 outside of their loan, and they'll let Sawan take over the house, right? Sawan said, I'll give you $200 a month till I get you $40,000, right? Wow. Somebody listening might say, that's going to take forever. That's going to take their whole life. That's crazy. Nobody will say yes to that, right? You have to think that you're helping people that don't have help otherwise, right? So they need that, right? Or they highly want it to the point that they feel like they need it, which psychologically is the same effect, all right? So that's how he, he structured the deal. All right, you go into it, and that's one of your offers. Owner financing, all right? I'll give you the money you want, but it's going to be a small payment over a long period of time, all right? This, the person would say yes if you preface it by everything's on me. If there's a hole in the roof, I have to fix it. All right? If the plumbing freezes and bursts, it's on me. All you do is sit back and collect checks. That's what your job is. Sit back, collect checks. All right? Until you get paid in full. So you have none of the responsibility. Right? I'll, I'll maintain the insurance. And I'll send you a copy every month to make sure that you know that your asset is insured up until it's paid off. So that way, even if this house burns down, you're going to get paid because you're going to be insured, right? I'm going to cover the insurance. I got the utilities. I got the maintenance. You get this small check every month till it's paid off. You get all money, no headache, right? Now, which option they pick depends on the person. Last but not least is you could partner with the private money person. So we gave an example earlier of private money, right? Of private money, how it works, right? So a man or woman can lend you 20, you pay them back 40. If you don't pay them back, they get the house and they can uh, stand to make 60 or at least more than what uh, they gave you, right? Who would give you private money? Well, there's actually a lot of people. I personally am a private money investor. Um, people that are busy, but they want their money to work for them at the same time. Let me make this real personal, right? Uh, I plan on building a media company that's going to positively impact 10 million people a month. So while I do invest in real estate as part of my retirement, I actively don't invest in real estate beyond maybe one house a year. Right now, as the media company grows, we might scale it up to two, three, four. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, we're at five houses. Right. But right now, it's not a whole lot uh, because I don't have the time to do it in an efficient way. I don't have the team to do it in an efficient way. It's not my top priority. But as a private money investor, I am getting 30 percent on my money. So let's say me working as a media company owner that also has a real estate investment company that buys properties for my retirement and for my kids as well, right, via their trust fund, what if I can put my money to work and that 100 grand becomes 130 grand, right? So now the benefit for you, wholesaler that has time, right, but no money, 
you have time and knowledge because those are the three things you need, time, knowledge, and money. You only need two of the three, right? So pick which two did you have. If you don't have the money, but you have the time and the knowledge, so now you could give me 30 cents on the dollar, I can now turn 100000 to 130000 right? Then I can give you that $130,000 back and you can rinse and repeat, right? Eventually, we're talking bigger numbers. 200,000 comes back 60,000, right? A million dollars come back 1.3, all right? And now, instead of me personally focusing on media and then buying one house a year for my retirement, right, free and clear, because of the amount of money that I've made by putting my money to work in a passive way, because once I give you the money, right, all through attorneys, all paperwork is legit. If I don't get my money back, I get the property, I'm going to make way more money. I'm going to just call Jennifer, have her listed for sale as is, and just take my money and never do business with you again, right? Either way, I, I, I make my money back, right? So I can now eventually get to a point where instead of buying one, two, five houses a year, maybe I could buy 25 houses a year. And now I could take the rent money from those 25 houses and say, hey, take this, and now instead of you doing whatever you could do with 100000 here's 500000 Here's a million dollars. Hey, go do what you do. The same thing you did with 100000 do it with a million dollars, right? So... People that have money in a 401k plan that's underperforming, there's uh, it's public information. If you work at a job and you contribute to a 401k plan, you can go talk to HR if you don't know how to do it already. Or maybe your supervisor can help you. But you can see how much is in your 401k plan. You can do some quick math or use a free calculator and say, if I stay the route that I'm going now, at retirement, I will have this much money in my 401k plan, right? Most people don't know that the 4% rule says that when you retire, you're supposed to live off of 4 to 6% of whatever is in your 401k plan, then you adjust it every year for inflation. The reason why you do that is because the 401k plan should last 30 years from the year that you retire, all right? Typically, people don't live 30 years past retirement. Uh, I hate to sound morbid, but we're just being professional and just telling you guys how it is. So if you retire at 65, uh, the, the statistics say you might not live to see 95, right? Now, hey, I wish everybody in the sound of my voice longevity and prosperity so hopefully you're the exception to the rule but that does not change how they uh how they structure it so if you do the math and say if i stay for the next 30 years or however long you have to work before you feel like you're going to retire and keep contributing what you're going to contribute or even if you factor in i'm going to up my contribution uh and you see what that number is and then you divide it well you multiply it times 0.04 and see what 4% of that number is and say, can I live comfortably off of that number? If it's less than a million dollars, then that means that you're going to have less than $40,000 a year to live off of. Now you got to ask yourself, what's the cost of living? Assuming that your house is paid off, assuming that your car is paid off, but you're paying taxes, insurance, food, amenities, maybe a little travel, you know, just normal stuff. Is that enough money, right? 4% of a million, 40000 4% of 100000 is 4000 200000 is eight grand, right? It's not a lot of money for the year. The issue is, is most people are retiring. They'll say, I was making $40,000 while I was uh, working, so I want to take 40000 from this, right? And you only got 400000 in the account, 10 years, right? 
let's say you're 65, you live to be 75, now you're 75 years old, you're broke, and what company wants to hire a 75-year-old man or a woman? Now you're a greeter at Walmart. All right, not a shot at them, but let's just be real. Can we have real talk on this podcast? Can we really change lives by being real? Or do we got to play like this ain't the reality of our life? Especially those of you like me that come from a low-income environment, and now we got to try to get on Social Security and disability to cover the difference because our 401k plan ain't nothing. So now we're living off of the government, right? Hey, this not a shot. This real talk, right? Why not invest in real estate? Why not invest in real estate? So you listening to this, now that you know the four ways to make money without using your own money or with no debt or, or with no credit or bad credit, excuse me, you might listen to all of this and say, you know what? All of that sounds good. Wholesaling, lease option, owner financing, or partnering with a private money person. But you know what I'd rather do? I'd rather keep driving my truck or keep doing whatever it is that I'm doing in life and put my money to work for me, all right? And if that's you, then go to the foundations of wealth conference.com, the foundations with the S on it, the foundations of wealth conference.com, right? And anywhere on that form, fill out a contact form and just in simplest forms, what we want to know is uh, your name, how much money you want to invest. And that's it, right? So anywhere on my website, and uh, my other website is authorjt.com, authorjt.com, right? So you can go on either one of those websites, thefoundationsofwealthconference.com or authorjt.com and say, hey, I listened to episode 10 of the Income Auto Pilot Podcast, all right? I found a contact form on one of your websites, either thefoundationsofwealthconference.com authorjt.com, and this is what I want to do. My name is this. I have this much money to invest. And what we will do, right, I'll pass you along to my team, and we will find what's the best deal we have available at that time. And if you want to do it, like I said, everything will be done professionally, right? You'll be protected 100%. It's not for everybody, right? It's not for everybody, all right? But I'm telling you, this is what I actively do. And... What we're going to do is educate you first. So you don't have to do business with us, but knowing how to do business for yourself, right? I don't want you to be one of those people that in the social media age is taking advantage of. So we're going to educate you on how you can do it for yourself, right? Appreciate you all listening to the Income Autopilot podcast. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please consider subscribing to the podcast, right? This show is all about teaching you ways to stop working and enjoy life while money works for you i've been your host jt you can follow me on social media at jt automations on youtube jt hustles with a z on instagram on instagram is jt h-u-s-t-l-e-z right over a hundred thousand followers on instagram there's a lot of fake pages so make sure you follow the one over a hundred thousand followers over two hundred thousand followers uh, almost about to crack 300,000 followers on YouTube. JT Automations is spelled J-T-A-U-T-O-M-A-T-I-O-N-S. Not trying to insult anybody's intelligence, but I got a South Carolina education, so I need stuff spelled out for me all the time. Till next time, man, hey, I, I wish you peace, prosperity, 
good health. Keep God first. Your job is to find your God-given purpose. Utilize that to maximize your life and bring everybody you know to the awareness and love of Jesus Christ through whatever your skill set is. I don't care if it's financially, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Keep doing your thing. Keep hustling, and I'm gone.